we would love to hear from you what the Lord is doing in your life or have seen in others. Write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 407-624-9957. We at The Millennium Beat are looking forward to hearing what the Lord is doing in your life. Remember that The Millennium Beat is helping people share their stories. Jason Coker works for a large national bank in the financial service industry as a middle manager. He also is in a doctorate program at Florida Atlantic University. His area of focus is adult and community education. His other background is he went to seminary at Oral Roberts University, where he got a master's degree in biblical literature. Pastor Charlie Coker is the senior leader at the Denity Church in Deltona, Florida. He is author of three books and the father of Jason Coker. Today's show, the three of us will discuss why do we do the things we do? So now on to the show. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. You've tuned into the right place. This is Kevin James. I'm the host of the Millennium Beat, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Today's going to be a little different type of interview. We're going to have a little roundtable discussion with Charlie Coker and Jason Coker. We're going to talk about why are we doing the things that we do. So first, I'd like to thank my guests, Charlie and Jason, for joining me here in the studios and having a conversation with us on the Millennium Beat. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, as I said in the introduction, that this is going to be a little different roundtable. But first, I want you to um, us to do is, Jason, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, I work in a couple of different domains. Um, one, you know, from a, a professional standpoint, I, I work in a large national bank, so I'm in the financial services industry uh, as a as a middle manager. Um, also, I'm a, in an education program, so I'm in a doctoral program at Florida Atlantic University. Um, it's more of an educational leadership, and so my area of focus is adult and community education, and a big focus of mine is the concept of a learning organization, and so how do organizations um, continually learn and transform themselves, and so there is individual learning aspects of it, but there's also a collective component that I'm doing research with, and <clears throat> so you know, part of that is looking at different companies, uh, different organizations. And one of the areas I found was that the nonprofit world uh, isn't researched very often in this space. And so that's one of the areas that I'm focused on. And so taking my business experience um, along with the educational component and, and putting those things together and see how can we continually uh, help companies and organizations get better and, and thrive. Uh, my other background, I, I did go to seminary. Okay. Uh, I went to Oral Roberts University. Um, I have a master's degree in biblical literature. Um, and so, you know, putting some of that work together from the professional side of, of management and leadership, uh, the educational side from an academic perspective, uh, but also from, you know, uh, Christian principles and, and spiritual practices and uh, seeing, you know, putting those things together and seeing how, uh, how can we help people continue to, uh, to grow and thrive. Okay, cool. Also sitting around the round table is Pastor Charlie Coker. Charlie, you've had, I've had you on a few times, but tell some people that might be listening for the first time who you are and where you're from. Uh, well, I'm uh, Pastor Charlie Coker from Identity Church. I'm the senior leader there, and uh, I am that boy's 
father. Yeah, uh, so he means Jason because people can't see that boy. Yeah, that boy. <laughs> that, that boy over that, there. That man uh, the, that was just speaking is is my oldest son. So I've got a lot invested in uh, um, where he's at, how he's uh, handling himself, and changing his work environment. So yeah, uh, he's definitely it, one proud papa. Yeah, it. Uh, he has definitely made me proud. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting how also, um, you know, in our family dynamic, um, you know, there's my wife and myself who are both the babies of the family. And then uh, Jason is our oldest. And then we have another son that's, what, seven, seven and a half years. And, you know, we went to a family therapist one time. And it's like, you got four babies of the same family. And like, how do you guys survive? Well, we knew how to challenge each other. And so as we've come into adulthood uh, and with Jason's uh, expertise and his educational background and his drive, he challenges me as a pastor. And I think uh, this weekend, you know, we had a workshop um, on uh, uh, trans- uh, perspective transformation and, and how to take education into the church world. Uh, you know, we as church people, we complain about the education system or we disqualify it because we think the spiritual mountain of influence outranks the education. And I totally disagree with that. And right. as Jason has developed his studies and uh, his processes, he completely has challenged me in my day to day walk with the Lord. And he has challenged my leadership style. Um, hmm. And. Um, especially after this weekend and his teaching and, and, and his perspective and uh, I am com- he's made me commit to bring more of the principles of learning and critical thinking all weekend he he, he wants to teach he, his goal is to teach people how to critically think and as a pastor that should be my goal too you know as a pastor, I just want to stand up and go, here, here's what I believe. Here's why you should believe it and just do what I say. Well, that doesn't work, not in the long run. But if I can give and teach the skill sets to get into your Bible, get into relationship with Holy Spirit and, and apply it into your workplace. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I wanted to get up and preach today while as he was sharing the simple fact that uh, Jesus is. Uh, in results is just go make disciples, which means you must be the teacher. And so we have so many unsuccessful Christians throwing Christians language around, but they're not good in their job. They're not, they're not a leader in their job and therefore they lose the effect or the influence to even uh, promote Christ properly. And so I think uh, what I'm seeing is Jason is pushing this dual mountain to interface and, uh, teach and train us on how to learn. Okay, cool. All right, I'm going to open up with one question. It's going to basically set, it on, set the precedence of what our whole conversation was. And I keep rechanging it because depending on the perspective, how, we, how we're talking is, is, why are we doing the things that we do? Or how, why is you doing the things you do? Depending on if you're talking to the audience or asking us ourselves. So why are we doing the things that we do? Yeah, I think that's a big question that we should ask because we don't ask it enough. Right. Okay. Uh, One of the aspects of being able to continually learn and transform ourselves and from an organizational standpoint, the same thing, or a church, the same thing is in order to transform, we have to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing? And is that the 
right thing I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And when you look, a, you look back at ourselves, and, and if we really reflect on on ourselves or the decisions that we've made, we realize we make a decision without truly weighing all the different options. We pick the first thing that might come to our mind or what we've instinctively done on a regular basis. And we're not making the connection to, is that really what I want? Is that really what I value the most? And is it getting the results that I'm really wanting? Mm-hmm. And in my research that, you know, we, we've seen companies, we've seen organizations, we've seen churches, we've seen individuals that continually do the same thing over and over, and they complain about the results they're getting. And they're saying that there's external things that are happening and causing this instead of looking and saying, man, maybe should I do this a different way? Right. Or the, the, the decisions that I'm making are those based on the values that I truly believe. And it doesn't have to be, you know, religious values. It can, it can be any aspect of our life. Right. And so in the research, when I look at, you know, creating this culture where we're able to continually learn in whatever context, I find that the, the aspect of transformative learning is a vital part that allows us to do that. And uh, it's a skill that can be learned. And, and really, it's the basis of critical thinking. And our education systems don't teach it very well. And, and as you just said, I don't think the church teaches that very well. We tell people what to believe instead of helping people learn how to do that on their own, to critically reflect and to make conscious and informed decisions. Right. And I think it's a very powerful uh, application if we can put this in practice where my challenge is, is we don't see this being taught um, very often. And, and so my hypothesis is in order to create a, a learning environment, we need to have specific skills. Uh, and so that's where my efforts is to, to go out and, and facilitate this type of learning um, and focus more on learning how to learn rather than telling you what you should know. Mm-hmm. You made a statement this weekend in, in one of your talks. Um, and it came into my mind about insanity, the earlier part of what you were just this, this talking about, how what's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, whether it's the world or the church, it, you know, it's the same thing. You come in day and day and do the thing and something's going to be different today. No, unless you make a change. Correct. You know, so what's your view of that kind of stuff from the church point of view? Well, I think uh, I think the church has a different uh, enemy. Than other organizations is that we actually have a, a demonic influence that comes in in the form of religion, and religion faces uh, forces you to uh, continue to obey rules and regulations. And what we should say is why, and research why. And I think we find that uh, we hide behind our religious banner much more than we should, instead of teaching the skill set to find out what is really behind. Um, this, this, this behavior or this recommendation or this demand from leadership even. And some of it is just pure demonic religion. Uh, and I think um, as a pastor, uh, we should have the skill set, teach the skill set first and foremost in ourselves and in our leadership and make sure that the enemy is not um, uh, elimin- you know, eliminating that through religion. And, um, 
And I think that because of religion itself, and it's a demonic spirit, that um, we we don't have the influence we're supposed to. And I think that's the biggest the biggest thing I see in the church. And that, that's my mountain that I have to be a leader in. You know. Well, isn't it what, what the religion is doing something without really knowing the reason why? Sure, it's a rule. It's a regulation. Because years ago, I heard a story about this newlywed couple. I don't know if you ever heard this story about the woman was going to make her husband a nice dinner for the first time. And then she gets the ham and she cuts the ends off and puts it in the pan. And the husband looks at her and says, hey, why did you just cut the ends of the ham off? And she goes, I don't know. Ma used to do it. So they call up Ma and says, Ma, why did you cut the ends of the ham off before you made it? And she goes, I don't know. Grandma did. So they call Grandma was still alive. Call up Grandma and says, Grandma, why did you cut off the ends of the ham before you cooked it she goes well i only had a small pan and the ham wouldn't fit so i had to cut the ends off so generations of people are doing something not knowing why and it was for a different reason in in, in their lifestyle and we probably do that whether it's the world or in the church yeah that we do things because somebody else has done it we've seen it's the right and we are that way because that's what we see or that's what we're taught absolutely so yeah and i think a a big part of that and you alluded to it as a pastor um you know and I'll, i'll say a, a pastor is is no different than a leader in any other organization and really has a big part to play in the climate the culture that that takes place and in order for this type of thinking to come out there really does need to be uh, a safe place a climate where uh, it is open to think um, from different perspectives and to be open with that and really it does take leaders who are open to different ideas, who are willing to say, I don't have all the answers. Um, and that can, can be scary for, for a pastor or a leader. Um, and it takes a lot of security uh, in those people. I know in my work world as a manager, um, when you start to um, try to implement these skills within your direct reports, you're challenging them to think different than you, mm-hmm. to stretch you and to challenge you. Um, and that can be uncomfortable for some leaders who put themselves in a place that, you know, it's my way or the highway, or they feel that the way that they are helping people is to just tell them what to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a mindset shift that, that we have to look at, um, when, especially when it comes from leadership. That is probably my, my biggest passion from a research standpoint is what do leaders do to help facilitate a learning culture? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so that's a, an important part. And I think, uh, you know, in seminary and, um, you know, learning how to be a pastor. And I think that's an important part that, that should be, should be part of the development of, uh, of their, of their practice. So if someone's listening and then we we're talking about why we do the things we do, what are some of the ways that we can change? You know, we see something in our life and we really don't like it. And we're not cutting the ham and ends off anymore. How can we start implementing that in our life on a daily basis so that we can change the things that we don't like about ourselves? Yeah. <clears throat> That's what we, um, that we, we did on Saturday, uh, yesterday, um, and walk through the, the aspect of critical reflection or premise reflection. And so there's different ways that, that you can practice that skill, but really it's about getting down and developing a process where you are able to stop and ask that question, okay, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Um, 
where's the root of that? Where where did it come from to your, your story of, okay, well, I did it because my mom did it. Okay, why did she do it? And you have this process of elimination that you go down to find the source of influence that caused it, mm-hmm. right? So many times we don't do that. We just have this habit of mind right. that we instinctively do things. We unconsciously or subconsciously do it. Uh, and we never stop to ask that question. And so that's the very first part of it. Once we can identify the source, from there, we have to make the decision, okay, is that an accurate way to, to view? Mm-hmm. You know, um, Because ultimately, our behaviors are derived from our thought process. And sometimes when we actually realize why we're behaving a certain way, we realize, well, that's not really what I believe I should be doing. Right. Um, the challenge is, is when we bring that up or when we're, that's brought to our awareness that our actions and our beliefs are not lined together, it causes this disruption in us. And so for me, the biggest reason why we don't actually critically reflect or, or ask that question is because it causes us, you know, discomfort mm-hmm. and we don't like that discomfort. And so the easiest thing to do, the path of least resistance is to just not think about it. Ignore it. I, right? Ignore it. I don't want you to ask me that question and I don't want to ask myself that question of why I do it. I just want to do it and not think about it. Mm -hmm. And that's probably that emotional strain that we have when uh, we do ask ourselves that question is probably from at least my, my experience of that is why we're not willing to ask that question more. And if we develop the skills to realize that it's going to be okay, we're going to actually learn to have better outcomes because we're able to make informed decisions we're willing to handle that disruption or that uncomfortable feeling Mm -hmm. um it's just like anything else like working out or exercising um there's some pain there right um and that's but that's the only way that we can grow Mm -hmm. but we don't demonstrate that well enough um in life for more people to see the benefits of it Mm -hmm. Well, I'm getting, are they willing to change? I mean, because I'm thinking of questions to ask, oh, Pastor Charlie, like we're dealing with races. We're dealing with politics. There's, you know, things that people do not knowing why. But they, you know, they, they can, they sense something is off, you know, and it's a decision. How does the church help them? Not well, just politically or racism or anything. How does the church get involved to help people start seeing, saying, hey, I need to make a change here. Because if I get going the way that I'm going, uh, it's, it's it's insanity. It's not going to get the results. Oh, from from the pastoral side of things, I I believe the Bible has uh, the answers that you're looking for, no matter what the issue is. But are you willing to look for them? Right. And so you know this this critical thinking process that Jason is talking about. Um, I, I really think once you know, he, uh, he he says you know your behaviors and your identity uh, are connected. And so if you think you believe, you believe a certain thing and your behavior isn't lining up, you're going to have to do some real homework and dig out the root uh, assumptions and the root beliefs that, and find out what is the real source. And, and I, many times in my own life, I mean, if you've heard me preach, I mean, I have no problem sharing my, my weaknesses um, and my failures. Um, I'm starting to have a few more successes now, but um, my willingness to find the root source uh, is that reflection that a lot of people don't want to do. And when I have, uh, I've had people say, well, I know he really talks to God. And the guy goes, why? He says, because he doesn't like everything he hears. And, and so when, when you say God, you know, Jesus is truth and the truth will set you free. You may need to deal with the truth. 
And the truth of the matter is we actually don't believe what we say we believe. Just because you read it doesn't mean you believe it. And when you truly believe it, your behavior will eventually follow. That's why God had me name this church Identity Church. So, you know, if my identity is in Christ, my behavior should be Christ-like. And so it's always a challenging of what you believe. Um, And and I I think that Jason carries a skill set that is – he, he gave me a good report card as his father last night when he, because he's very methodical, has, you know, the ABCs of how to do it. And he says, you do it instinctively, dad. You know, when I look at something, I go to the root cause. What is this? Is this life or death? Is this godly or ungodly? Where's it at? That's my go-to. That's not everybody's, but that's my go-to. And once I've gone there, uh, he says, I consciously or subconsciously go through this list of making those adjustments and so i think it has been an untaught skill set some of us have grabbed it instinctively or unconsciously but you know i you can't always teach an instinct right and i think what jason's bringing to the table is is uh you know some education on how to teach others to do the same thing all right now as i said yesterday you were here for three hours and then today for another hour or so like that. Obviously, you can't go over in detail because we would hear for another three or four hours. But if somebody was listening and, as I said, they've decided, okay, I don't like A, B, or C about myself or something like that, what are some quick, not, you know, snop this, but, you know, bullet points of somebody saying, um, I want to change this, I'm, whether it's health or eating or smoke, not smoking or whatever. Um, what are some of the bullet points that you could help them get on the road? I mean, I know a three-hour course would be great for them, but um, which we'll talk about maybe doing something like that in the future again. You know, that they could go for nineteen ninety-nine. We can <laughs> sell you that whole yes. <laughs> the yes, paperback sir. version of that. <laughs> right. You know, that's right. You know, we'll have books out and stuff like that. But I'm listening, and I'm saying, hey, I, 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 I can't get up at four o'clock in the morning and do whatever. You know. What would you say to them? How would you get them on the right road? Well, I think what I've experienced, I mean, you know, even in companies have this type of training right. that is out there. Um, where I see we go wrong is that we don't present how difficult it actually is. Yeah. We water it down okay. um, to say, listen, if you just do these four steps, you'll you'll be able to analyze, you know, the source of, of your thinking of why you're doing it. You'll look at different ways of doing it and you'll make a decision rationally. It doesn't work that way. And I think what I've tried to present is normally it takes um, what the researchers have called a disorienting dilemma for us to be willing to make a change in our underlying beliefs or assumptions. Uh, that we just naturally don't want to do it because it is painful and it does take something dramatic. Um, And what I say is, you know, if we really want to change, we have to be willing to go through the uncomfortableness. And so the first part of it is it's got to be strong enough that you're willing to go through the struggle. And I, I would relate it to exercise, um, it, a lot of people don't exercise because it's uncomfortable. It's work. It's work. It, yeah. it is work. Painful. Um, it's painful. painful. And you'll see the same thing. Being able to transform as a person is painful. Right. 
Um, and until we're willing to learn how to embrace that and realize through it um, is where our freedom comes. And learning that, you know, we are not our thoughts and our feelings. Right. And that we can get behind that and become emancipated from the influences. But it takes work and we have to build the strengths of critical thinking. So start off small. You know, one of my learnings from yesterday is that we had, you know, I did all the, the, the conceptual knowledge of it. And then at the end, we did a practice session. And I kept saying, don't pick something really dramatic. Start simple. Well, people automatically go to like the most the worst difficult case scenario. thing. <laughs> right. And so that's like trying to go to the gym and do a three hour workout your first day back at the gym. It's important. And then you never want to go back again because you, it hurts so bad. Um, so my biggest thing is, is if you really want to develop a practice of continually learning and be able to grow, start small and learn the process with something easy, then you build a way to, you know, the knowledge and, and the skills of how to do it. And then you progressively challenge yourself with something that's a little harder. And eventually those really hard things, those big rocks you that you dealt down. with for a long time, you have the skills to be able to handle the disruption that it that causes from you know trying to change that uh, that underlying belief as a pastor 20 years ago i wrote this in a leaf leaf leaflet of my bible i said until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change i won't yep. and that's that's what he's talking about it's going to take a dilemma you know well i i don't think it has to i think if we can consciously say you know what i want to I want to develop a life where I'm continually growing uh, in myself, whatever domain, whether it's in your work life, your spiritual life, um, social life, anything. Um, consciously say, okay, I'm going to build the skills to learn how to do that mm -hmm. and start small. And that way you don't have to wait till something is so dramatic that it that forces you, you. That yeah. it forces you. So you don't have to wait until you can't pay your bills and foreclosure is on the line right. before you change the way you, you manage your money. Learn how to go through these different areas of your life and make the changes before they become a big mess. All right. In other words, go get healthy before the heart attack. That's right. Correct. <laughs> exactly. Great example. We're talking about pivot points in life, and I keep reminding you when you said Jesus walked through the wall. It was. <laughs> oh, that was a pivot point. That was a pivot point. <laughs> yes, those are the decisions that you. Okay, I'm going to change because if I don't. Yeah. Well, you know that particular encounter with the Lord. I mean, Jason was 15, 16 years old. Um, his mother and I were in the middle of a divorce. She didn't like me, and I didn't like her. But I knelt down by a pool table and I said, "If you're the God of my mother," she said, "You had power." And I said, if you're that God that has power and you can change me and give me a new heart, I'll be able to serve you. But I had tried. I had tried to do all the walk down the aisle, say the sinner's prayer. I said it so many times, eventually I got saved. <laughs> but, but there had not been a transformation. My heart had not changed. And I got smart enough. And I said, listen, if you can't give me a new heart, I won't change. But if you can give me a new heart, I'll serve you. And I said, I am a liar, a cheat, a thief, a whoremonger, and I have an evil heart. But if you can give me a new heart, I'll serve you. And that was the most honest prayer I had come to in my whole life. I was 30, 33 years old at the time. And 
I stood up and I'm like, God, I have nothing else to give you other than the most honest prayer. And I, all of a sudden, lightning bolt went off in the room and Jesus walked out of this bright light. And uh, he had eyes that pierced me and he told me he loved me. And then he said, put your hand in my hand. I'll never leave you forsake you. Or, and when he pointed, I saw hell. He said, I'll let hell have its way with you. Well, that was a kind of a <clears throat> crisis at the moment. I had to choose, either choose what he was showing me or choose him. And so uh, that definitely was a, uh, a a crisis that made a great change in my life. And Jason experienced a father that went from this lifestyle to a complete converted lifestyle. And it's taken us years to walk some of that out. But that was definitely a crisis. And he even mentioned it um, you know, this morning in his message. You know, he's so educated and he does this, but I couldn't read. I was 33 and couldn't read. Right. And so... Jason uh, used it as an example this morning is that I had just met Jesus and I said to, to, to the Lord, I said, how can I have relationship with you when I can't read? And he says, let me introduce you to my friend, the teacher, the Holy Spirit. And he said, give me an hour every day and I'll teach you to read. And see, this is what Jason is saying. This is not easy, but if you'll commit to the disciplines to learn, and that's what Holy Spirit did to me within an hour every day, a little over six months, I started learning how to read with comprehension. I do a fairly decent job. Of reading. I've written two books. That's scary. But, um, you know, he, he mentioned it. Give me an hour every day. Mm-hmm. And see, we don't want to put that kind of commitment on people, but they want the end results. Right. And, and I think with some of the skill set that he's teaching and the commitment of the people, I think, I think the Lord gets in the middle of it. And I believe that it's a way to transform his church. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. Definitely true. So, Jason, pretty much, in, you know, we don't we could go all day. As I said, you have three hours or more of information. I'm sure we could share. But this is a little synopsis of kind of like what you've been teaching on. What would you like to say to the people, last and closing thoughts to um, uh, to them that um, might be listening that really want to change and, and they, they're taking baby steps and stuff like that? What else would you want to impart to them if, you know, last words in a sense? Keep moving. Keep moving. I mean... <clears throat> Failure is only failure when you stop trying. Uh, Any type of failure um, is an opportunity to learn from, to learn about yourself, learn about the situation, um, you know, and and keep going. You know, it it is a process that we have to practice uh, all the time. Right. And, you know, commit yourself to it. And I think the small incremental steps on a daily basis produce huge results at the end. You know, we see this in finances. The The law of compounding interest is small steps every day that grow over time is huge. It's not enough to practice something for two hours every once in a while. Right. The most important thing is, is give it, it might not be an hour each day. It might be 15, it might be 10 minutes each day. But figure out something to work on and give yourself that time on a daily basis um, and watch the process work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's to me where the encouragement is and seeing that, you know, transformations happen everywhere. Um, and we all have the ability to do that in, in, in the aspects of our life. Cool. Pastor Charlie, what would you like to say to people from the perspective of a pastor um, dealing with some of these things? Maybe pray for them or um, anything like that. 
Absolutely. I think, I think, um, some of the awareness this weekend is that I have a lot of skill sets that I personally applied and I've relied upon them, but I need to, um, gather this teaching gift that my son has and the ability to teach other people to, uh, educate themselves. Um, I, you know, do I want to feed someone a fish or do I want to teach them how to fish? And that, that's really the concept. And I think the conviction that has come to me as a leader, I need to be a little more focused, a little more purposeful. Um, making disciples, it was his commandment. Right. And you can't make disciples unless you're the teacher. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't want to teach them just to blindly. I want them to know how to know the facts and know the author okay. and the finisher of our faith. So I would just I would just declare and decree that, that Holy Spirit comes and uh, arrests us individually and uh, embraces us and gives us the skill set to uh, be able to see what he has already accomplished in the cross and how to apply it and duplicate it in other people's lives through education, learning, and then, you know, living this good life that God has given us. Right that i declare in jesus name amen all right all right everybody you've been listening to the millennium beat with your host kevin james i've been sitting down with pastor charlie coker and jason coker we've been having a great conversation i thank my guests for being here today thank you kevin thank you all right everybody else we'll see you next week have a great week thanks for tuning in today to the millennium beat podcast i hope you heard something that was encouraging to you We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KendallFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. When I look back over my life and remember some of the foolish things I've done, I realize how blessed I am to have two great kids that rarely get into serious trouble. When I was 18, I delivered papers late at night. Occasionally, when I would finish my route, I would go and help my friend with his. One particular night, my friend was especially tired and asked me to drive. Being unfamiliar with the area, I needed him to direct me. And as the hours passed, we both became so sleepy we could hardly keep our eyes open. Now, I overshot the next stop sign just a little, but I thought, it's 4 o'clock in the morning and we're out in the middle of nowhere. So I simply put the car in park and dozed off. 
The next thing I remember was waking up to a loud tapping noise and being blinded by a bright flashlight. What in the world are you guys doing? A police officer shouted through my window. Uh, we're delivering newspapers, sir, I responded. He shouted back, look at where you are. I had apparently lost my bearings, and little did I know that we were sitting sideways in the middle of US-1. Have you ever lost your way and ended up sitting sideways in the middle of life's problems? You don't even remember how you got there. All you know is your home is not in order, you've lost touch with your kids, and you feel as though any minute you could be hit with a Mack truck-sized problem? Well, allow me to shine the light of God's Word into your eyes and say to you, look at where you are. Proverbs 6.9 puts it like this, All you do is sleep. When will you wake up? Let me sleep a little longer. Sure, just a little more. And as you sleep, poverty creeps upon you like a robber and destroys you. So let this be your wake-up call. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that it's useless to take charge now just because things are too far gone. Ask God to help you put together a plan to ease you out of harm's way and put you on the road to a healthy family life. I pray for my children's protection every day. And if driving sense is hereditary, they're going to need it. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall.